0: Um, I'm so thrilled to be here with you guys, and um, kind of like what we talked about earlier, my passion really is introducing people, to their own inner physician, and giving you guys the same education that I got in medical school that I really feel like is a birthright for all born in human bodies. It's really, we should know how they work, and I think hormones and happiness are two things that we think about almost every day. Um, we all could use a little more happiness in our lives. Often our hormones need a little bit of balancing, and so my goal today is to teach you at least one thing about one of these hormones that might change your life or change somebody's life that you love. Um, so. With that, I'm gonna say this talk, we're gonna cover 11 key hormones. It's a lot, I have about a minute per slide or less. So I caffeinated a lot, I'm gonna be talking very fast. And so what I'll say is, get out a pen and paper, that's my recommendation right now, because you're gonna have questions. This talk could really be a week long course. I mean, you guys know there are endocrinologists who specialize for years, they get their medical school training, they become a doctor and then they go to school for years to become an endocrinologist. So. Hormones are a complex topic. You're definitely going to have questions, whether it's for you or your sister or your mom or your husband. And I want you to get those answered. So, like Jen and so many of the amazing women on this call, it's just we're all wanting to be generous and and help the community. So I have a feature through my practice where you can book a discovery call. It's 15 minutes of a free chat with me. If you want to learn something more about a topic, hear my perspective on a medical issue. And so I want you to use that feature because it's available not just for our amazing community here, but for Your friends or your family. I really think, again, it's part of my public service to try to help just be an ally and help people navigate our very complex medical system and have some deeper understanding of how their bodies work. Um, So I'm happy to chat with you. So write down your questions, Go book that call um, so that we can follow up more specifically if you've got things that you want to discuss after this. So you should know a little bit of of my background so you know where I'm coming from with this. I do a lot of talking with people about nutrition, lifestyle, and botanical medicine in my practice. So that's the lens where I'll be chatting with you through today. And what I'll say is these are the 11 hormones that I chat most about in my practice, that people have given me the feedback that they get the most value out of learning about. And these are the graphics that I show people the most. So a lot of us are visual learners. I find myself all the time pulling my computer to the side, showing somebody one of these graphics. And so that's kind of what I'll be doing with you today. A lot of you have some really good training already. Either you're medical professionals, you know a lot about nutrition. Um, You're moms and you've been helping your kids navigate hormones and happiness throughout their whole lives. So my goal is that you'll learn at least one thing about one of these hormones. Um, But, so my background is as, my training is as a primary care clinician. I'm licensed in the state of Washington. Naturopathic medicine training differs from DO or MD training in the sense that it focuses more on preventive forms of medicine. So I learned about pharmacy and surgery, but I also learned a lot about how to use food as medicine, how to use the plants that grow from the earth, and then how to use lifestyle. So breathing, sleep, your circadian rhythm. So you're going to learn about those aspects of managing health and happiness from me here today. So here's what we're going to talk about, hormones, what they are, first of all, because it's kind of confusing, what even are they, what role they play in the body, how we make them from food, and then the 11 top hormones that I chat most about in my practice. And we're going to talk about the role that they play not only in the body, but in regulating mood, how you can use micronutrient therapy to really optimize the health of those particular hormones, and then really what foods you need to be eating to give yourself the ingredients you need to build them in the first place. So here are the hormones we'll talk about today. We're going to start with the sex hormones. I feel like you're all here for the sexy stuff anyway. A lot of us think a lot about estrogen and progesterone and androgens every day. Then we're going to talk about the neurohormones, which you might know as neurotransmitters, so dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, melatonin, and then metabolic hormones, including insulin and thyroid. And if I had my way, I'd start with those because if those don't work right, nothing works right, but we're saving them for the end. Um, because I want to get through some of the sex hormone stuff first, because I think a lot of us have been misinformed about the way our sex hormones work. And so I want to chat about those um, before we get into the other stuff. The last one, um, these are called eicosanoids, and you may have never heard about them. And so I'm like thrilled. There's one key slide on these, and I think you're going to be happy that we chatted about them today. So, to start, what are hormones? First of all, there's over 50 of them. So, you might have heard of three or four or five. There's 50, right? And they are what's called chemical messengers. So, here is a big list. You could get overwhelmed just looking at it. And what I want to say is each of these hormones has a major impact on health but your doctor may not have checked a lot of them. And it might be because your health problems may not be related, but some of these hormones for sure are regulating both your happiness and your mood. So we're gonna talk about the key ones today, but just know there's so many more that could be impacting how you're feeling. So hormones are chemicals first and foremost, and I love this picture of oxytocin probably because I'm a bit of a nerd, but it's this beautiful chemical compound, and somebody drew it and added in little hearts, which I find adorable, Um, but it's a chemical, right? You can see that it's a chemical structure, and um, these chemicals are made from one of two things. So they're made from either proteins or fats, and so there are four classes of hormones right? So they're either amine hormones or peptide hormones. And all amines are are amino acids, little parts of proteins. Same with peptides. When you, when you combine a bunch of amino acids, they form peptides. When you combine a bunch of peptides, they form proteins. And we eat protein and then break it down and make our own hormones. Same with fats. So then the other two classes of hormones are either come from cholesterol. They're called sterol or sterol hormones or sex hormones, and then eat which are a form of fatty acid. So you can see right away that hormones are built from food, from protein and fat. They're nutritionally dependent, right? So if you're not eating enough protein, enough fats, or the right kind of proteins or fats, you're going to see a difference in the way your hormones function. And this is where a lot of our hormonal dysfunction can come from throughout the lifespan. You can think of this because with our female athletes, this is such a consideration in helping female athletes perform optimally and keep their hormones high, because often if you're an endurance athlete, it's hard to get enough proteins and fats you're burning them so quickly. And one of the risks is that a lot of times you won't be getting enough of the substrates, proteins, and fats you need to make hormones, and so your hormones will go low, and women will lose their cycle and become quite depressed. So if you're feeling like you need a real-life example of how important nutrition is for hormonal health, that is a great one to think back on. Um, now this slide I wish would have been shown to me in kindergarten. And actually, I've shared this slide with a, a couple of doctors who use it for their patients, and they're like, Why didn't we get this in medical school? So the human body is basically it's a machine, right? It's made of th- it's it's biochemical, electrical, and Biomechanical. So, if you look over here, you're going to see the biochemical part, right? So, muscles, bones, ligaments—the biomechanical part, the, the part that helps you move and resist gravity—and um, then, over, and that's kind of like the shell of a, a car, or if you were to build a robot, the metal that's going to make it move. The electrical part is like the battery or the power, right? So it's the electricity that sends the signals that make things move. So if you were to control that robot that you're building and be able to press a button and make it move, you'd need electrical signals. You'd need a centralized brain. That's what our brain does is it sends out electricity through our nerves and communicates with the rest of our body. Um, Electricity in the human body is created using minerals, by passing minerals across a membrane. And so minerals are really important for helping with the electrical activity of our body. The biochemical piece are all of the chemicals that float around in our bloodstream and deliver messages to different tissues to turn on and turn off certain functions. So you guys have seen We're kind of amazing at this point at creating robots, right? Like we have robots that look real, they move, they talk, they pick things up. But the one thing we haven't been able to do is to make robots completely human, right? Like they can't feel they don't have personality, they can't problem solve, they don't have moods that go up and down, they don't have tissues that grow and regenerate, and that's because we have, not been figured, we have not been able to figure out how to replicate these chemicals, right? And so hormones are some of the major chemicals in our body. They get delivered through tissues by floating around in our bloodstream, right? They're not floating around in this white part of our tissues here, they're located in the blood. So I want to show you this This here for a second. So, you might not have thought you're going to come here today and hear about blood, right? That might seem weird, but blood is what carries your hormones. So, your hormones are only as healthy as your blood. Your blood is made from fluid. So, the water that you drink and That's it. It doesn't come from anywhere else except the fluid you intake, chemicals, minerals, vitamins, proteins. And it transports vital nutrients and hormones to every single cell in our body. So the health of your blood is incredibly important. And it's something I chat with my patients a lot about in my practice. Hormones, it comes from the word in Latin that means to excite or to set in motion. And I love that because one of the red flags that your hormones might not be optimal is if you're not feeling that way. You're not feeling like you're in a state of flow. You're not regularly feeling excited. You feel kind of dragged down, bogged down. What I want you to hear from me loud and clear is those symptoms of feeling tired, lethargic, depressed are not your fault. They are so often chemical. And that is what I spend all day talking about in my practice, is the chemical components of feeling in flow and feeling happy and how those are your birthright and how usually it's not your fault if there's something wrong. So that's what I want you to take away from this first part. Hormones are chemicals they are only going to act as optimally as your blood flow is. So if you are somebody who is regularly sitting around, your feet and your hands are cold, they're going numb, you're freezing, you're getting brain fog, your blood flow is probably not optimal. If you're not exercising 60 minutes a day or getting 150 minutes of cardio every week, your blood flow may not be the healthiest. And so we need both of those to be optimal for you to have great hormone function. I wish I could see your guys' faces right now, by the way. I'm like, yeah, I'm like lonely over here doing this presentation, but I'm so glad that you're on the other end. So we're going to start with the sex hormones, which are also known as steroid hormones, estrogen, progesterone, DHEA, and testosterone. So what I want you to take away from this part of the presentation is a couple things that most people are surprised to hear. These hormones are made from cholesterol, right? You probably have never heard that before, and we're going to chat about that. The second is that estrogen dominance leads to most of the dysfunction of hormones that we see in women in the US in the reproductive years and postmenopausal years. So we'll go through that in a minute but just keep that in the back of your mind. And the third is movement matters. So if I had to have you take something away from this conversation, it would be lift weights, lift weights, lift weights, lift weights, lift weights. Women need to lift weights. We will talk about it more. You have to build bone while you still have estrogen. And when you go through menopause and you no longer have as much estrogen as you used to, you have to circulate your blood so your hormones, your estrogen can get where it needs to be. And we're going to talk about pelvic floor therapy because it is my favorite topic, as you guys know. So the steroid hormones are made from cholesterol. So this chart can feel overwhelming. So what I want you to first zoom in on is the fact that up here at the start is cholesterol, right? And then as you go down, you'll start, if you look at these words in black, you'll start to see, whoops, some ones that look familiar. So progesterone over here, estradiol, all the estrogens over here, testosterone, right? So they're all coming from cholesterol and that's it. They're not made from anything else, it's cholesterol. And you may have heard of cholesterol through this lens of when it's too high, it's bad for you, you need to be on statins, you need to manage it, absolutely. Part of preventive health is making sure that you don't have cholesterol that's astronomically high. But often what I find in my practice is that people have low cholesterol and it's impacting their hormones. It is far more common than you'd think. So you have to be making or eating enough cholesterol to give yourself the substrates you need to make your hormones. And then we're going to focus on the estrogen, progesterone, androgens. But I want you to look over here and notice these things called glucocorticoids. On a different day, in a different talk, we'll talk about how they manage blood pressure. Today, we're going to focus on the steroid hormones on the other side of this graphic. So one little more thing about cholesterol being so important for your health. You must intelligently manage it. So maybe you're somebody who has high cholesterol, and you got put on statins five years ago, and nobody has rechecked your cholesterol levels. It's important as part of intelligently managing cholesterol to be routinely checking to make sure that you have enough cholesterol, you haven't gotten too low, and also that you haven't depleted key nutrients like CoQ10 that are involved in cholesterol metabolism. Um, I am not saying that I never manage cholesterol because I help people routinely drop their cholesterol 100 points if they need to, um, but I also really pay close attention to people who we need to optimize their digestion and boost them up. There are studies that suggest when your cholesterol gets under about 160, Um, people start to have severe depression and hormone issues. So it's a pretty tight window where we want to keep you between 160 and around 200 something. Um, And there's multiple different types of cholesterol that your doctor needs to manage. So you must intelligently manage it. Don't just hop on a statin and go for the rest of your life and never recheck. And don't ignore it either. Estrogen is our first one we're going to talk about, and I want, here are a couple key takeaways. I feel like estrogen has a bad rap recently um, in public media, and I want to do a little bit to combat that, because estrogen is amazing. It is so healthy for you. The only problems that come are when it is unopposed or unbalanced by progesterone, or when we're shifting our estrogen production to some really potent forms of estrogen that make tissue grow too fast or too big, and we're not keeping a lid on it and keeping more of our production towards the more milder forms, the more gentle forms. Um, And there's key ways to do that with nutrition. So we're going to chat about those things in the next few slides. So estrogen is your body building hormone. I want you to hear that if you are a female. Um, Estrogen builds bone and tissue. So your bone is constantly being recycled, right? It's constantly being broken down and built up and broken down and built up. And as you are in your reproductive years, the amount of estrogen in your body will actually prevent you from breaking down bone as fast and boost your ability to build it. So your time to build your healthiest bones is while you're between 15 and 55. You are going to, you have an edge actually over your male counterparts, I would say, where you can really build bone every month. But here's the key part. You only build bone in response to stress and pressure. So if you aren't lifting heavy weights and stressing your bones, they won't get denser. And this becomes a problem when you hit your perimenopausal, postmenopausal years. You don't have as much estrogen every month, and then your bone breakdown starts to accelerate. So I want you to go into menopause having really strong, dense, healthy bones so that when you get postmenopausal and you don't have estrogen, it's not as big of a deal, and you're not prone to osteoporosis, osteopenia. Um, so this is why I say lift weights, lift weights, lift weights. You have this amazing bodybuilding hormone on board. It's natural. It's part of your female biochemistry, and you can take advantage of it so that you don't get broken bones. It's not a risk factor for you, even in your 80s and 90s. The time to lift weights, though, is now. And to pay attention to the minerals that we use to build bones, it's now. So it's a lot of what I do with women in my practice. The other thing that estrogen does that most women don't know is it it makes your tissues really healthy and moist. So not just your skin. I mean, we can see it in, in the skin of of younger women that's really plump and pink. The same thing is happening in the vaginal canal, actually. Estrogen keeps the vaginal canal really pink, moist, healthy, moisturized. So a lot of women, when they have hormonal dysfunction or when they get to their postmenopausal years, they'll start to notice that their vaginal tissue is not as healthy lubricated as it used to be. Maybe sex is starting to become painful, and that's because we lose that part of estrogen that was balancing those those tissues in that way. There are really easy fixes for that. Um, We can talk more, but you can can use vitamin E to help remedy that. But what I want you to hear is part of the amazing thing that estrogen does is keep your tissues really supple, moist, and healthy. It also regulates mood and libido. So it stimulates libido. It increases the effects of serotonin and dopamine that we're gonna talk about in a few minutes. It increases your sensitivity to insulin, which is your body's only way to use blood sugar. We'll talk about that at the end. It helps prevent cognitive decline. And we think it's actually responsible for helping women use both parts of their brain in a more cohesive way than men. So women have a more developed middle part of their brain that connects to the left and right hemispheres. And we think it's what gives women the ability to really give voice to how they're feeling and to have access to all parts of their brain. It's our superpower. We think estrogen has a lot to do with that. So the problems with estrogen, right? We talked about the amazing stuff that it does, and that's just some of the amazing stuff. It also helps with your immunity. Um, The problems come in, in, in two or three ways. So one is when estrogen is unopposed. So I want you to look at this graphic over here. And while women are in their reproductive years, if they're cycling normally, we have a little bump in estrogen during the first half of our cycle, and then progesterone sort of takes over for the second half. And what's nice about that is that estrogen can be really stimulating. It's really uplifting. It helps build things, right? So it's kind of like steroidogenic. It it gives you energy. It makes things grow. Progesterone is calming and helps things stretch on a physiologic and mind-body-spirit level. So when you balance those, you just feel really kind of smooth and steady throughout the month and you don't get the sort of like irritability problems, you don't get a very big buildup in your uterus so your period is really easy, you don't have a ton of cramps, and we're supposed to be balanced in this way. Now I'm gonna show you guys a graphic in a minute that explains why if you're on chemical birth control, if you're not cycling normally, this might not be your story and there are still things we can do about it. But some of our problems come when we don't have progesterone around to balance estrogen. The other thing that can happen is that if you're not we make estrogen every single day and we're supposed to get rid of it every single day. The way we get rid of it is by metabolizing it in our liver, putting it into bile, binding it to fiber and excreting it through our digestive tract. If you are not having a healthy bowel movement every single day, and if you're eating inadequate fiber, which is under 25 grams a day, you're not getting rid of your estrogen. It's sitting in your gut, it can be resorbed into your bloodstream, and it will build up. And so this peak will go from being here to here, and it will stay high, and so you don't get that really nice juicy balance that we're supposed to have. Um, And that's called estrogen dominance. So, and then the third thing that can happen is that, that your estrogen um, production could get shunted to some of the more stimulating types of estrogen, which isn't our natural way of producing estrogen. You should really be more towards some of the simpler forms of estrogen and you should only have a few of the more complex. I did a whole talk on this with Dr. Bala, who's an expert in hormonal health, on my Instagram. Um, this, this slideshow will be available later on my website. You can go visit the link or you can just go to my Instagram and look at the IGTV. We spent 45 minutes talking about this, so if you want to know more, go there. Um, So here, let's talk about progesterone for a second. So we talked about how it's this nice balancing hormone. It helps things stretch. It's responsible for if you're someone who gets pregnant, you've noticed your uterus expands, right? Everything expands and stretches to fit this baby, where maybe before you were pregnant, if you ate a big meal, you felt like you were going to explode. And now all of a sudden, you can fit an entire human in you, right? That's progesterone. Progesterone helps ligaments, tendons, muscles, skin stretch. It's responsible. It's partly responsible for ovulation, and then it's also responsible for preserving pregnancy. It helps keep your um, uterine tissue in place so that you can build a nest and a beautiful um, embryonic sac for your baby. So. I want, I made this way too complicated, I apologize. But I want you to to look at this a little bit here. The reproductive cycle is very complicated. Um, And we're going to start over on this end. And we're only going to stay here for a minute. But what I want you to see is that from the time an egg develops, this is a little tiny egg in your ovary, to when it is selected to be the egg that either gets fertilized or not, right? It'll travel through your fallopian tube, get into your uterus. It either gets, you either get impregnated or not that way. It takes 120 days to mature that egg. And so a lot of times, if you're somebody who we're working on your cycle, we're working on your progesterone, we're working on your fertility, it can take 120 days for you to see a difference. And that's why, because the egg that you are experiencing in this cycle right now started maturing 120 days ago. Point number one. Second point, you can see this kind of, again, here's the estrogen, progesterone bump. Estrogen goes high, it's supposed to go back down low. And progesterone goes high and it's supposed to go back down. When you are on, oh, and when you're on birth control, your progesterone stays low. You don't get that spike because you don't have ovulation. So progesterone stays consistently low, and your estrogen stays consistently high. So here's your natural estrogen in orange, and here's the synthetic estrogens that are in sort of this sort of red. And what chemical birth control does, how it works, is it sends these inhibitory messages to your to your pituitary, to your hypothalamus, and it tells them not to stimulate the growth of new eggs, right? So just so you guys know, that's how chemical birth control works. And the problem, again, with having either low progesterone or with taking birth control is that you don't have progesterone to balance estrogen, right? So it's going to be a problem for um, protecting against that estrogen dominance part of your symptoms. Still with me? So here we're going to talk about eucostinoids for one minute. Um, So eicosanoids are basically inflammatory chemicals that regulate our vasculature, but they're also incredibly involved in pain. And so you're going to see this graphic over here um, that shows that we turn this thing called arachidonic acid, which is abbreviated AA in this graphic, into these things called leukotrienes, thromboxanes, prostacyclines, prostaglandines. These are our eicosanoids. When we talk about, oh, I've got inflammation. There's so much inflammation in my body. Those are the chemical mediators of inflammation. Look no further, it's those four things. So when you're talking about inflammation, that's what you're talking about. You have high levels of those prostaglandins and leukotrienes in particular. So the reason NSAIDs and aspirin work with pain is that they inhibit you from turning arachidonic acid into some of these forms of eicosanoids. And so they inhibit the inflammation and pain that can come with that, right? So you take ibuprofen, you notice your swelling and pain goes down. That's because you're inhibiting these hormones. The cool thing is you can do the same thing with omega-3s. So right where NSAIDs put this little X and stop that from happening, omega-3s can do the same thing, right? And they're actually key nutrients that your body can use and needs. So you can get those from fish, from oil, from seeds, from fish oil. But I love teaching people how to get those through the diet. And getting people off of the NSAIDs and ibuprofen is way easier than you think. So if you're someone who's taking those regularly, I can help you figure out how to use omega-3s to do the same thing. quickly androgens dhea and testosterone they matter for women we rarely check them because we've been really brainwashed into this paradigm of estrogen and progesterone are the female hormones and that's what they've got no everybody has dhea and testosterone they are important for muscle building for libido men don't have the same estrogen and progesterone we do right and so they need dhea and testosterone for their bodybuilding which we do with estrogen a lot um so what i want you to hear kind of these two main things these become a lot more important. You notice deficiencies in these much more when you are postmenopausal and you don't have as much estrogen and progesterone. Um, and people with low levels of these experience low libido. They feel kind of weak. They're not building muscle like they used to. They feel old. That's what people tell me. When we, when we optimize their DHA and progesterone or testosterone after it's been low, people say, oh my God, I didn't realize how old and frail I felt until my levels were natural. And now I feel awesome. High DHEA is why teenagers feel invincible, right? Like they feel like they could take on the world. They feel strong. They, they jump out of tall buildings. Like they do things they should not do. And part of it is because DHEA makes you feel really strong and invincible. And so if you're not feeling that way, it's worth checking that hormone just to see where it's at. And these are easy things to fix if you measure. Last thing on this topic, anatomy matters for sex hormone health. Um, So here's your uterus and your ovaries right here, and you'll see this is the, if you're looking down at the cavity of the body from the top, um, this is all the blood flow, all the arteries, veins. If things are smushed, if you've got adhesions, if you're unbalanced, if you've got scoliosis, your blood flow can change, and then the hormonal production in your uterus and ovaries can change. So go watch the pelvic floor therapy talk, Um, but you need to be also be moving and make sure that your anatomy is correct for these hormones to be working optimally, okay? That was sex hormones, cholesterol. Look for estrogen dominance. Lift weights, circulate your blood. Next is the neurohormones: dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and melatonin. We go a little quicker from here on out. What I want you to take away from this: these are made from protein, amino acids, and you need B vitamins to transform them into neurohormones. It's that simple. They depend on sleep and joy. So this is dopamine right here at the end, and what this graphic is showing you is that we take something called either phenylalanine or L-tyrosine, you can start with either, and we transform it into L-DOPA and then it goes turns into dopamine. Downstream from there, we, we get adrenaline, but what I want you to see with this is that you make dopamine from tyrosine, which is an amino acid, it only comes from the protein you eat. Dopamine is what's called our reward and attention neurohormone, right? So if you have low dopamine, your drive to do things is very low and it's not your fault. You just, you won't feel like you wanna get out of bed. The things that used to bring you joy don't really affect you anymore. Um, you're not really meeting your deadlines at work cause you're not motivated, you might feel scattered. It's so, if those are your symptoms, do yourself a favor and talk to somebody about whether dopamine or serotonin could be part of your symptoms. It could be that simple. And guys, here's what, where I'll say, you might think I'm eating enough protein. First of all, if you don't measure, you don't know. I do a, 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 intake of a dietary intake and analysis with every single one of my patients. None of them are getting enough protein, none of them even bodybuilders. I recommend 100 grams of protein a day to my women. Um, Most women are getting between 30 and 40. You're probably not getting enough. You probably have never been getting enough. And you may not be digesting it if you are getting enough and you're still having symptoms, right? So we look at digestion because you can eat the best diet in the world, but you're only going to be as healthy as the nutrients you actually absorb. So if you've got low stomach acid, poor gallbladder function, poor pancreatic function, you're not absorbing these foods. Serotonin is very similar to dopamine in that we take an amino acid called tryptophan and we turn it into serotonin. Um, so along the way, we use folate, iron, and vitamin C and B6 to transform the, this amino acid into this potent neural hormone. So again, these are the nutritional considerations we're looking at. When you have low serotonin, you, again, you feel depressed, but it's a different form of depression than dopamine, which is a dopamine depression is more anhedonia or lack of pleasure. Serotonin deficiency, people tend to feel anxiously depressed. So a lot of panic attacks, a lot of self-isolation, a lot of rumination. So if you feel yourself what I call limbic looping or thinking on a loop, worrying 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 your serotonin could be low. What I want you to see here is there are so many nutrients that we can use to get you back to health. It's so easy to be deficient in one of these nutrients. There it's easy to fix. It's one of my favorite things to fix. We'll come back to this graphic during melatonin. I want to take a break and look at this cute picture of this puppy and talk about oxytocin. So when you look at this puppy, if you are a dog person, honestly even if you're not, you probably feel like oh, a little like oh my gosh, sense, um, that's oxytocin. So oxytocin is our love and bonding hormone. It is produced in response to things like this that bring us joy. So from a hug, from a warm cup of tea, from looking at a picture of, of your baby or a puppy, um, from sex, it, anything that brings us joy and makes us feel love gives us oxytocin. I will tell you, so many people are not doing things regularly to increase their oxytocin this is like a muscle that only works if you work it you must have joy and pleasure in your life and love in your life and i could go on this rant forever um, but that's what i want you to know and you can boost your oxytocin just with lifestyle i have people keep pictures of their kids as babies on their phone or their puppies and just kind of look at it in 30 seconds all of a sudden you feel a little bit better that is a way to biohack your oxytocin Also, I prescribe one orgasm a day to all the women in my practice. We can talk more about that later. I just did a talk on Real Sex Ed on my Instagram. Go watch it. Um, But sexual health is such a part of maintaining high oxytocin levels. Um, And if your low libido is getting in the way, I can help you fix that. Melatonin. It's in the same graphic as serotonin because we make it from serotonin, right? So you can see serotonin, we turn it to N-acetyl serotonin, we make it into melatonin. Melatonin, you don't have to take it. You can make it from serotonin if you've got enough. Um, The only part is these enzymes that turn serotonin into melatonin are stimulated by darkness. So if you are on your computer until 3 a.m. or midnight, you aren't stimulating those enzymes to turn on. You're not going to be able to turn serotonin into melatonin. So it's why I recommend blue light blockers for all my clients. It's why if we can get you to sleep around 11 p.m. or earlier, that's better because your peak melatonin production happens from 11 to 2. Now, a lot of people think that melatonin just regulates sleep, which it does, and sleep is so important for your overall health. But it's also one of your body's major antioxidants, and it's now being studied in preventing cancer. You need it for so many different things. So healthy sleep, melatonin, make sure you're wearing your blue light blocker glasses, optimize your sleep, and get enough of these. important vitamins and minerals. Last ones, metabolic hormones. I know I'm over time. I'm speeding up. Okay. Thyroid regulates metabolism of every single cell in your body. If your thyroid hormones are low, which you cannot know unless you check, you will never lose weight. You will never be the weight that you want to be. You'll be depressed. We'll just go right here. You'll be retaining fluid. You'll be constipated. You'll You'll feel like low libido fatigue. Your hair and your skin will be dry. You might have brittle hair and nails. I want you to hear from me loud and clear. Thyroid goes low far before you get these symptoms. You need to be checking. You do not have to have all of these symptoms to have low thyroid. You need a doctor who will investigate not only TSH, but T3 and T4, um, which are these hormones here. So The active forms of thyroid hormone are called T3 and T4. T3 is the most active. They depend on these enzymes to convert them, but you'll see we make them from this amino acid tyrosine. You only get that from, again, say it with me, protein. And then you need iodine, iron, and selenium, which are minerals to transform tyrosine into the active forms of thyroid hormone. Again, if you're not doing that, these are all the symptoms you're gonna get. Nobody wants to feel like this. So we often optimize thyroid by paying attention to these key nutrients. I guarantee you, go look at your multivitamin and see if it has 100% of all of these, tyrosine, iodine, selenium. I guarantee you it probably doesn't. It's why I recommend pharmaceutical grade multivitamins in my practice. Here are some of the foods that you can get thyroid nutrients from. We'll talk about goitrogens at another day when we have more time. Insulin is our last hormone. It's the most important. So you'll see that insulin over here comes, this is a cell, every single cell in your body. It plugs into a part of your cell that makes the cell open to glucose or sugar. Every cell in your body runs on sugar. If you are hypoglycemic, if you don't have enough sugar in your body, your body will not work, you will feel depressed, tired, anxious, you will not feel well. And so, when you we need enough insulin, right? It's why type 1 diabetics who don't make insulin need to inject it every few hours. Um, But having too much is not good either, because over time, having too much will make your cells insensitive to it. They'll stop opening up to glucose like they should. And then you can get this syndrome where you're overweight and yet you're still hypoglycemic, right? So you're storing tons of fat, but your cells don't have the sugar to work. And so you're tired, you're cranky, you're overweight, you can't lose weight. It's so incredibly frustrating. One of the number one signs that your insulin is high is that you are storing fat around your middle. So most of your fat is going to your abdomen. Evolutionarily, that's a good thing, it's protecting your organs, but when we want to look amazing in photos, it's not so great, doesn't make us feel so sexy or fun, Um, this is easy to fix with diet, you just have to know how and I can teach you. So. With that, I put in this slide, you can visit this on my website. There are so many amazing books that I wish we could talk about today, but if you wanna get started learning more about hormones, these books are some really great places to start. And then again, I know you've probably got questions, so schedule your 15 minute consult with me. We'll chat if I can connect you with a great OBGYN or somebody will get the right people in your corner to get you feeling better.